Father. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Father. Y'all may be seated this morning. Glory to God. Welcome to Disciples House, in the house and online, where the Word and Spirit come together to reveal the power of God. That's our uh, that's our assignment from heaven. Glory to God. Uh, upcoming events. Uh, this is a new thing on the calendar. Somehow we missed putting it on there. Um, but October 13th, we're going to do a family movie night. That's what we're doing. Um, we're going to definitely play a movie. Uh, and um, so we're, we're going to actually open the doors at 530. That way, if you want to get here a little bit early, you can. And I know some people will be coming from work. Just get here when you can. Um, and then at 6, we'll have our time of prayer, which I'll talk about in just a minute. Um, and then at 7, we're going to start our movie. Uh, so, um, and it'll be a good, clean uh, movie that's, that's safe for the whole family. Um, bring your favorite movie snacks, whatever favorite drinks you want. If you want to, you know, snuggle down with your pillow and your blankets, there's a typo in the uh, bulletin. It says your blanks. Y'all fill in the blank. You know what I mean. Uh, and, you know, sometimes some of y'all want your, like, little comfy chair. I know I've got my little uh, folding rocking chair that I love. So if you want to bring your comfy chair, that's totally fine. Uh, we're just going to have a good time of fellowship and relax and enjoy company and watch a good movie together. And if y'all like to talk through your movies... Sit in the back and whisper or something. Go another room. I like to hear the movie. That's just my personal preference. Uh, and then October 24th through the 26th, uh, Pastor Mike and I are going to uh, the Contending Faith Bible Conference in Branson, Missouri. Uh, that's one of Brother Randy's meetings. If you want to get the media or if you want to go, just let us know. And uh, we'll take care of that for you. I mean, we're not going to take care of, like, your food and your hotel and all that, but you can go with us. Uh, <laughs> we can at least help with travel arrangements. Uh, and then um, November 4th is going to be our ladies' shopping trip. And listen, a lot of ladies are like, I'm just not a big shopper. It's not necessarily about the shopping. It's about the ladies' fellowship. We go, uh, We kind of, well, a lot of times we stop at Hardee's uh, and right before we go to Coe and we get breakfast. And then we go to Cleveland, and we do a little shopping, and then we go to lunch, and then we go to Chattanooga, and we do some more shopping, and then we go to dinner. Um, and sometimes we do more shopping because we eat too much at dinner, and we got to walk it off before we can get in the car and come home. Um, so it's, it is a long day. There's no doubt about it. It's a long day, but it's a good, fun day of fellowship. We help each other find deals, and it's just a lot of fun. So I encourage all of our ladies to come. And uh, the men, you guys will be okay for one day without your ladies. You'll be okay. God's got them. And uh, it'll be okay. And then November 17th is we're going to do our family fellowship. We're not sure if we're going to do a dinner that night or what we're going to do. Um, but we do try to do some type of fellowship around Thanksgiving um, for the church family. And then December 16th, that'll be our Christmas fellowship. I know last year we did the catered dinner. We're looking at that possibly again or something different. We're not sure exactly how we're going to do that yet, but it'll be a wonderful night. And both of those events are good events to bring, to invite friends and family to because it's a good way to get people involved in the church. Even movie night, invite friends and family. When they figure out church people are regular folk, church is not so scary, honestly. Uh, and then, of course, Christmas Day, we'll have that evening service that day. Um, and that's always just, God always shows up, and it's just a wonderful time. 
And yes, we know that Jesus was not born on December 25th. That's just the day we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. And then April, I know we're getting way out there, but you've got to make plans way in advance for some of these things. April 18th through the 20th, we're going to take a trip to the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum in Kentucky. Uh, if you are like, yes, I'm going, please let us know. If you're like, I really want to go, but, you know, I've got to work some things out, go ahead and let us know that too. Uh, because we're gonna, what we're going to try to do is rent a house. And so we need to know how many people uh, we need to make provision for. Um, you know, if you let us know now, hey, I'm really planning on going, that's not going to lock you in at this point. It just gives us an idea of how many we need to kind of plan for. And then, of course, uh, next year, the Dates for Generation Life Camp, Youth Camp are already on the calendar for July 8th through the 12th. We're already praying for that. And then the big change this week is um, we're going to start doing uh, weekly prayer every Friday night at 6 o'clock. And I know some people are thinking, that's my Friday night, Pastor. That's okay. If you want to go do something with friends or family, whatever, it's the end of the week and you want to stay home, that's your choice. I'm not going to fuss about you, fuss at you. However, uh, the day is coming when we're going to have church function seven days a week. Uh, so it's not going to hurt you uh, to come at least every now and again. But the past, Pastor Mike and myself and Miss Ann will be here. We used to do, uh, we used to do uh, Friday night prayer. Uh, we did it for probably two years solid. And honestly, we got to where we really enjoyed it. And here's the amazing thing about prayer is when you show God a faithful commitment to being there, he'll show up. He'll be there waiting on you. Like you'll walk in the door and the anointing will already be there. The presence of God will already be there. And here's the other thing about these prayer services. Sometimes it's, we're in there, the Spirit's moving. I mean, it's just, there's like 20 minutes. We're in and out the door. That's just the way the Spirit fell that week. And, you, you know, and this is when we lived an hour from our church. So we'd drive an hour in on a Friday night, pray for 20 minutes, have a release of the Spirit. And we were like, well, that was powerful and that was good, but um, we're done. Like, wow, that was interesting. Um, and, and then there were other times that we got caught up in the spirit. We were there till nine, nine thirty, ten o'clock at night because the power of God was just so thick. The average is going to be an hour. If the spirit of God grabs a hold of us and we go longer, we go longer. That's part of why we picked Friday night is because we didn't want to be, you know, oh man, everybody's got to get to work the next day. We want to open up our schedules to where God can move. Um, and if, so if you can come, come. If you can't, that's okay. Um, and, I, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that when we actually start the sermon portion. Uh, but just know prayer's going to be Friday nights at 6. And uh, what we're going to be praying for, we're going to cover um, we're going to cover all of the subjects of God. Um, and we're going to, the focus is going to be we're going to pray out God's will, plan, plans, and his purposes as the Spirit leads. We're going to be in prayer for those in authority in the world and in the church. We're going to be praying for the harvest. We're going to be praying for the body of Christ as a whole. But we're also going to be specifically praying for the church, for our church, for the ministry of Disciples House, and for the people in our church. Um, so we're going to be praying. We're going to be covering all of our bases. Um, and, you know, one week we may focus on one area more than the other, but we're just going to let the Spirit of God lead us. Um, and it's this type of prayer that actually brings growth to the kingdom of God. And uh, so this is, this is why we picked Friday night. 
And then, um, so just join us if you're able. And because we're going to be praying for the nation weekly, we'll no longer be doing prayer for the nation the first Saturday of every month. Um, God just kind of releases to that and said, I want you to get over here. Um, and we're going to be opening up more times of prayer. Um, but right now, this is just where we're at. And then, um, so that's got everything that y'all need to know about. Please take your bulletins with you. They've got dates and times and all the information. Look at them. If you call me in the middle of the week and say, Pastor, when's this date? What's that date? I'm going to tell you, go get your bulletin. Because that's what I have to do. So just keep it with you. And then, uh, and not only that, it's good for your meditation. For, so meditation this week is Romans 3.22. And it says this. It says, even the righteousness of God which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. And then there's a colon, and he goes on to explain what he means by that. But basically what the scripture means is that when we believe in Christ, God instantly makes us righteous. Instantly. Uh, and, and the reason that we're righteous is because we believe in Jesus. There's nothing we can do to make us any more righteous. Now, the way we live can make us unrighteous, again, but as far as obtaining righteousness, there's nothing we can do to obtain righteousness other than put our faith in Christ. Um, and then God sees us through the blood of Christ. So let's confess this. I have the righteousness of God by my faith in Jesus Christ, as does all that put their faith in Christ. For with God, there is no difference. Glory to God. You know, you can have the great, I mean, you can have what you consider the greatest sinner, somebody that's on death row for committing murder, rape, whatever, and then they come to know Christ in, the, in an instant of time, they're just as righteous as you are. They're just as righteous. You can have somebody who's never sinned, and you know, some young person that's, never committed sins in their life, they're living for Christ, they don't ever go off and rebel, guess what? You're just as righteous. Just as righteous. And uh, so um, our healing verse, I did two verses because a lot of times we don't fully catch what verse 8 means. And I kind of put in two little definitions here to help us understand this. It says, but not, he says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. If we'll not be, if we'll not uh, be wise, or you know, I'm so, uh, you know, if we won't depend on the brain, uh, but instead, if we'll fear God and we'll depart from evil, then this is the connected promise. The connected promise is, it shall be health to thy navel, which actually means the center of your strength, the center place of your strength, and the and morrow or a refreshment to thy bones. That's so good. So we can confess this. I am not wise in my own eyes. I fear the Lord. I depart from evil, which brings health to my navel and morrow to my bones. Man, it's good to fear God. Now, it doesn't mean to be afraid and a big chicken of God. No, it doesn't mean that. It simply means that I have a reverent respect for God and I don't want to do anything that would offend him. Uh, because, uh, you know, if it wasn't for mercy and grace, we'd all be doomed. 
so don't want to wear out the mercy and grace of God. Well, Father, we come to you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we just, oh, we look forward to spending time in your presence. Father, we look forward to praising you and worshiping you and giving you thanksgiving, Father God. And Father, we just ask that as we step over into praise and into worship and into thanksgiving, Father God, that you come and you dwell amongst us. Father, that our praises would be a sweet smell in your nostrils. And Father, that you would take notice from heaven the love that we cry out from our spirits for you. And Father, as after we praise and we worship and we fellowship with you, Father, we look to be taught by you, by your spirit, to be led and guided by you. And Father, we just look forward to the word that you have for us this morning. Father, we come with expectant hearts, not only to receive, but Father, we come with hearts to serve and hearts to give and hearts to pull on the anointing and hearts to pull on that that you have to hear have to say, that we may hear it and that we may see it with a spiritual eye and, a spirit, and hear it with a spiritual ear. And Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Mr. Derek, if you'll lead us in our great confession, and we'll confess this with some enthusiasm this morning. Good morning, disciples. Let's stand up and do our confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Father, for being here with us today. Glory, glory to you.
It is your way, your will, not our own. Glory, glory, glory. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Oh, wisdom and wonder belong to no one. 
are you, Father God. Holy, holy, Lord Jesus. Holy, holy, Lord God. Father God, glory, 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 glory.
Oh, Lord, glory, glory, glory be to you. Praise and honor be to you. Worship, worship, worship. Let's stay in that spirit.
that God can't do. situation and a problem. It's not a problem, it's a situation. Uh, really what he wants to do is he wants to set somebody free. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your revealing. We thank you for the discerning of spirits being in operation. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Thank you, Father. Uh, these scriptures will bring uh, answers to every person. But specifically, this morning, I'm going to talk to Brother James for just a few minutes. Y'all can just listen in and get freedom as well. Thank you, Father. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul begins to talk about uh, how he was caught up in the Spirit. He didn't know if he was in the body or in the Spirit. And uh, he was talking about the... Uh, number of revelations that he would get from the Lord and the understanding of spiritual things that he had. And uh, he was saying he shouldn't glory. And uh, one thing I know about you, Brother James, is you know more about the Word than you let anybody know. 
and you know more spiritual things and you have greater spiritual understanding than you let most people know. Your life was rooted and grounded in the word. And because of that, you've got a little you've got a similar situation in your life like uh Paul did. Look down here in uh verse 7. He said, "But least I should exalt should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations." He said, he said, I don't need to be lifted up and exalted and James isn't one to exalt himself or be lifted up and he keeps himself uh, very reserved. And it says, through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now, a lot of people have speculated that this was some physical ailment or some physical sickness in Paul's body. Uh, some thought that he had some type of wound from the many times that he had been beaten and shipwrecked and uh, other things. Um, some people even equated it to ha- he had some disease in his eye because of some other things he had written in other scriptures. But the scriptures are very clear as to what the thorn in his side was. The thorn was a messenger of Satan to buffet him. A messenger of Satan. Does that mean that Paul was doing something wrong? No. Does that mean, James, you're doing something wrong? No. Really what it means is you're doing everything perfectly right, and Satan has come up against you and has been coming against you for a long time to prevent you from walking out the things that God has revealed to you. That's what this this attack that you've been under is. And it says, uh, he says that this, he said, He said that a messenger of Satan uh, to buffet me. In other words, to poke at me and to aggravate me and to frustrate me and to keep me just under pressure. This this messenger of Satan, this imp, this foul spirit is just constantly kind of turning the screws of emotions and thoughts and physical things, ailments and things like that. He's just constantly pushing those buttons. He said, least I should be exalted above measure. In other words, Paul said, he said, this thing has been signed against me to keep me from doing what God has called me to do. He said, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Paul kept going to Jesus. Paul kept going to the Father God. And Paul kept saying, do something about this problem, Lord. Do something about this problem. And this was the Lord's response. And many people misunderstand this. He said, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Uh, Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities um, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, many people teach that this means that, well, when sickness, disease, frustrations, problems come, that God, you just got to bear through it and God will bring you through eventually. No, what this means is God has said, I've already done everything about the devil that I'm going to do. Now you've got to do something about him. Now you've got to do something about him. And Paul said, and so Paul, Paul said, he said, rather, he said, most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, Paul didn't just lay down and take Satan coming against him. 
Paul did something about it. He said, yeah, I've been troubled, but now I'm going to do something about it so that that the Lord can be glorified. So now that the Lord can be glorified. So here's your answer. Here's what you need to do. Number one, of course, we know submit ourselves to God uh, and resist the devil. Resist these these torments, these things that Satan has brought against you. And uh, in Ephesians, here's the answer the Lord gave me specifically for you, Brother James. He said in Ephesians chapter 5, speaking unto yourself in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody, uh, making melody in your heart unto the Lord. In other words, um, when this, when this um, principality begins to talk to you, when, this, when these, these things that you've been up against, and you'll understand more here in a minute. Uh, when these things come up against you, instead of staying in your mind, you need to just start speaking and praising God. Because if you're speaking and praising God, then, then it's going to shut down the thinking in the mind. And this holds true for all of us. This holds true for all of us. Listen, if, you're, if the devil's talking to you, you need to shut him down. You don't need to play the what-if game. You don't need to play, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? Well, if I had just done this differently, if I had just... If I had not made that decision, then this wouldn't have happened. And this, Listen, you can't change that. You can't change your past. And who you once were is not who you currently are. You're somebody totally different. Who you once were is not who you now are. And so now you need to praise God and thank God for who you now are. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. What you don't need to do is you don't need to get caught in the miracle, the miracle round of your mind. You need to start speaking to these things and start praying. Come up here. I want to lay hands on you. Come on. Come on. First Thessalonians five sixteen and 17. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, what the Lord said to me specifically is it's been a spirit of torment. It's been a spirit of torment. It's not anything that you've done wrong. It's not anything you've done wrong. But the devil's been tormenting you with decisions from the past and situations from the past. He's been tormenting you, and he's been, and he's been dogging you about just the past. He's just been dogging you. And he's dogging you because there's been shifts and change in the body because of Injuries that have occurred because of hard because of hard living that's affected you now, and he's dogging you and he's blaming you for those things. That's not God. That's a spirit of torment, and we're going to break that off of you today. So just raise your hands to God. Now, Father, you showed me this spirit of torment, and Father, it's just dogging him. And so, Father, we take authority right now over that spirit of torment that torment that's been happening in his mind. Father, in the, oh, oh, sakii sete. Father, we just break. Oh, shakasa. Father, we break the spirit of torment off of James's mind. We break the power of torment off of his emotions. We break this power of torment off of his body in Jesus' mighty name. Now, you foul, disgusting spirit of torment, shut up! In Jesus' name, 
and leave him and let him go and never return. You don't speak to him again in Jesus' name. You release him. You let him go. He's no longer who he once used to be. He's no longer a servant of Satan. He's a servant of God, and you have no right to bring up the past ever again in Jesus' mighty name. You release his body. You release his mind. You release his emotions, and you will not torment him anymore. Usaka. The blood of Jesus covering from the top of the head to the soles of the feet. For I hear the Lord say, Son, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine, and those things of the past are gone and washed under the blood, so give them no thought anymore, but begin to rejoice, begin to praise, begin to thank me for what I have done and what I have brought you to and what I'm bringing you to, because my work in you is not yet done, and I've placed revelations in you, and I've placed knowledge in you, and I've placed ability in you that you've not yet tapped into because that spirit has been blocking my flow, but from this day forward, my flow will begin to move as you begin to praise. So praise me. When that demon tries to come, I've commanded him to go. But when the, you've com- that, can, that demon has been commanded to go, but he will try to come. And when he does, say, nope, I'm not thinking that. Nope, I'm not going there. I'm praising my God because that's not who I am anymore. In Jesus' mighty name. Healed, 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 healed every bone. Every bone, every bone, every joint, every morrow, the body functioning, 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 functioning. Son, don't cut yourself short, says the Lord. I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. Oh, Shakiha Sunday. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. It's done. It's done. It's done, honey. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. Done. When that, when that, if those thoughts try to come, you immediately out of your mouth, you say, I'm not doing this. And you begin to praise God. You hear me? Just say, I'm not doing this. I don't care if you got to turn on praise music. And blast it so loud you can't hear your own thoughts. I don't care if you have to yell at the devil from the top of your head. Your neighbor will back you up. She'll be all right. I don't care what you have to do. Do not let that torment come back. You hear me? Glory to God. Glory to God. God does not want his people tormented. He does not want that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10, I believe it is. Thank you, Father. We'll handle several things this morning. Thank you, Father. Well, thank you, Lord. I believe it's Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. I made a comment a couple weeks ago in the sermon that kind of stepped on some toes and kind of got some people thinking. And uh, under the unction and power of God, I said, if you're, uh, if you're not in church, you're in sin. If you're not in church when the, doors, when the doors are open, you're in sin. Well, Pastor, you're talking about church happening seven days a week. Let me clarify what I mean by that exactly. 
because uh, there's an epidemic in the body of Christ where they are forsaking the assembly. There's an epidemic in this. Go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 and 24, 25. We're going to start in verse 23. He said, first of all, he said, let us hold fast to our profession of faith without wavering. Our confession, our profession, what we say, what we believe. Our mouth should never be filled with the words of Satan. We need to hold on to, to faith no matter what the circumstance shows. No matter what the circumstance shows, we should never let the words of Satan come out of our mouth. We've got to hold on to it. He said, for he is faithful that promised. Listen, it doesn't matter if it takes God one day or a hundred years to fulfill his promise. He's going to fulfill it. And I'm going to tell you this too about God. God never shows up early. He never shows up early. I, people all the time, why won't God show up? Why won't God show up? And they've got three, four, five, six, seven months before they need their provision. But they want God to show up now. Why? Well, 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 so why won't God do that for us? Because then it doesn't take any faith. It doesn't take any faith. Listen, faith kicks in. Um, I hadn't really talked about this, but our beloved Bill Barbie... Uh, who's ran our youth camp for, I mean, we've been with him for 23 years it is or so. Uh, uh, Tuesday, before the Gatlinburg meeting, that man had a stroke. Had a stroke Tuesday morning. He woke up that morning, and uh, he got up and went to the kitchen, get him something to drink, and he could not swallow. Could not. So he went in and got his wife and said, uh, uh, honey, he said, something's going on. I can't swallow. He said, I tried to drink a drink of water, and I couldn't get it down. And uh, she said, well, okay. There wasn't really any other symptoms, nothing else going on with him. So they uh, got up and took care of the horses and uh, got a shower, and then they drove the uh, hour and 40 minutes or whatever it is to get to their doctors in Charlotte. And... Uh, they got him into the and they they went to the hospital. Of course, they had to sit there a long time, and because the only symptom that he showed was he couldn't swallow. And uh, they, so it took him several hours, and uh, they finally got him in there, and they said, uh, "Sir, you've had a stroke. Uh, you've had a stroke. You can't. You couldn't swallow." And uh, so they began to treat him and do scans and all this and what have you. And that was on Tuesday. He couldn't swallow. Wednesday, he couldn't swallow. On uh, Thursday, they came in and they did this, the swallowing test and what have you. And they said, uh, yeah, you've definitely had a stroke. You're not going to be able to swallow. Uh, we're going to put, we're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to put a feeding tube in. And if you know Bill Barbie, that's not going to fly. Uh, no, he ain't doing that. Uh, he said, they said, we're going to put a, put a feeding tube in. We're going to send you home, get you some rehab and what have you. And he looked at that doctor and he said, no. We ain't doing that. He said, no, we ain't doing that. He said, uh, so he just, I mean, he had, he had set his faith on God. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. And the doctors are giving him all these bad reports. And uh, Sandra had been with him from Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Finally, the, the son and the grandkids got there, and they had a hotel there in Charlotte. And so there, the grandson sitting with him. And uh, said, Mama, go, go, go get a shower and get some rest, and I'll stay with Pop. 
And uh, so so they did, and he went, and here come uh, the doctors, and they said, well, we're going to do all this and what have you. And he said, no, we ain't doing this. And uh, so middle of the night, Thursday, I think actually, I think the sun was on Friday, I think, or Thursday night. I don't remember exactly, but basically he told his grandson, he said, listen, he said, these people are going to try to talk me out of the power of God. He said, I know by Jesus' stripes I'm already healed. I'm already, I'm, it's, it's a done thing. I don't have to carry this in my body. It's what he told his grandson. And, uh, and he knew that this was his opportunity. Check this out. He's had a stroke. He cannot swallow. He couldn't even swallow. He couldn't even eat a few little ice chips and get the ice chips down. He couldn't get anything down. He hadn't had any food in I don't know how long. He couldn't drink water. He couldn't do anything since Tuesday morning, when he got up Tuesday morning. And and so he knew, he knew that he had an opportunity to make sure that his family and his grandsons knew that God was the healer. And he knew he had an opportunity to teach them to stand. And so he said, he told his grandson, he said, I ain't going out of here with a feed tube. He said, I'm going home tomorrow. I ain't going out of here with a feed tube. He said, my God's healed me. So he went to bed, you know, went to sleep that night, woke up in the middle of the night, thirsty. Thirsty. He woke up thirsty. And they, they had had a little thing, a pitcher of ice on his tray, and it had melted. And he got out that he got that pitcher out and he poured the melted water in his cup and he began to drink it and he could swallow. He said, Praise God, God showed up. So he called the nurse and he told the nurse, he said, I'm healed, Jesus has healed me. He said, I can swallow. He said, I, there was melted ice melted uh, ice in that thing and I poured it in a cup and I can drink it. He said, I can swallow and the nurse was like, Yeah, okay, whatever. He said, I'm telling, he said, he said, what time does the doctor get in the morning? And they said, well, doctor will be here at 7 o'clock. He said, the, he said, as soon as the doctor walks through the door, you send my doctor to me. Make sure I'm the first one they come see. Why? Wow, he was full of faith. Full of faith. And he said, get him in here. So he got the nurse and got the doctor in there. The doctor came in there and he flat told the doctor, he said, listen. Now, turned out his doctor was Indonesian but was a Christian believer. And the doc- and he told the doctor, he said, um, he, Jesus has healed me, I'm healed, I can swallow. And they had him scheduled to do the feeding tube. And they said, well, now, you know, Mr. Barbie, they're going to put this feeding tube in. He said, I'm not putting that feeding tube, you're not putting that feeding tube in me, I'm healed. He said, run your swallow test. Again. And, and Sandra was there the day before when they ran it and he couldn't get in. He said, they put it in and you know, got the dye on it. And uh, he said, you could, see, you could watch it. He said, she, he tried to swallow, and it wouldn't go. It wouldn't. He said, he said get, get, get me the test. Let's redo it again. Well, the nurse got mad at him. Or, or so the doctor ordered it, and the one that comes in and does it is a speech therapist. And uh, she said, now, sir, we can't do it again for at least, you know, a couple of weeks. Cause, you know, that's not how this works. He said, I'll pay for the darn test. Get me the test I can swallow. Get in here and get me the test. So they took him and they got him the test and they gave him this drink. You know, he had to drink like four or five things. And they had this, 
He said green dye. It looked like something off of before the ark. It was been around since before the ark. It was nasty. And they gave him this dye, and he said, took that, and it went down. He said, took the next thing, and it went down. Took the next thing, and it went down. Took the next thing, and it went down. He said, the last thing they gave me was an Oreo cookie. He said, they covered it in this green gunk. Oh, it was nasty. He said, he said, just give me the cookie. Just give me the cookie. And they said, they said, do you want us to, do, do you want us to, you know, he said, don't break it. Don't mush it up. Don't give me the whole cookie. And he said, they gave me that whole cookie. And I put that cookie in my mouth and I swallowed it. And they said, well, okay, I guess. He said, at that point, he, they couldn't help. But what he had told um, his grandson beforehand, he told him why they were fighting him. He said, now, look. He said, they're going to try to talk me out of this. But I know what I have. And I know what belongs to me. Why does he know? Why does he know what he has? And why does he know what belongs to him? Because he would not forsake the assembly. He would not forsake spending time with God. He knew what the word said. And he had built his faith. I said that to say this. God never shows up early. He always shows up in time, on the nick of time. Well, why did God not show up Tuesday morning? Well, Tuesday morning, if God had just showed up in the living room, nobody would have believed him. He's got, he's got evidence. He had to get, what did he have to do? Notice, Bill had this, Bill... Bill was laying there in his confession, in his, in his testimony. He said, I was laying there in the hospital. And God all of a sudden showed me. This is what he said. He, this is what God said. Because he was, he was struggling. But he knew his grandson needed to see faith. He said, all of a sudden. Now, we've been taught this. I learned this from Dad Hagen. We knew this from Dad Hagen. Y'all, especially in our younger people, you've heard me give this example. You got this outlet over here on the wall. There's power in that outlet. You can't see the power. You have no idea that there, other than you have mental knowledge that there's power in the outlet, you have no evidence that there's power in the outlet. How are you going to find out there's power in the outlet? You got to plug into it, right? God showed him. He was sitting there, laying there in that bed with this stroke and going, God, God. And God said, son, my power is present to heal. You just have to hook up. But it wasn't until pressure was there that he really was able to hook up. See, a lot of times we want God to show up early because we want God to show up. Because if God shows up early, then that's a sign that we were actually in faith. Do you hear me? If God shows up early, well, like, God, can you show up early? And in the back of the recesses of your mind, and ask me how I know, because I'm there. I've been there. In the back of the recesses of your mind, you're thinking, man, if God would just show up, I would know that I was in faith. But that's not how faith works. You've got to be in faith for God to show up. And when, you come, when it comes down to the wire, when the pressure is on, you have no choice but to plug into the power of God. When Pastor Mike, you know, we were sitting there listening to his testimony, and Pastor Mike leaned over to me, and he said, it's just like with my chainsaw injury. He said, I had no choice but to hook up to the power. I had no choice. 
I said, just like with your head injury, we had no choice but to hook up to the power. He said, that's right. He said, we've had no, we had no choice but to hook up to the power. But how did we know the power was there? Because we do what the word tells us to do. We spend time in the word. We meditate in the word. And we assemble ourselves together where other people can testify. We assemble together where the anointing can flow. We assemble together where we can build each other up and encourage each other. We assemble together. Listen, there are things that God will never reveal to you unless you are assembled. There are things that God will never be able to reveal to you unless you are assembled. How much do you know? We're all into this, you know, shopping online, put all your stuff in the grocery order, and then you go and you pick up the groceries, right? We're all into this. How much do you know? You can have, you can want a cake all day, a homemade cake all day long, and you can get all of the ingredients in your shopping cart, and you could have already paid the bill, but until you assemble the ingredients in your, until you assemble the ingredients together, you don't have a cake. And as long as the ingredients are at the store or in your car or in your cupboard, they're not assembled and you're not getting a cake. How are you going to get the cake of God without assembling? You're not. And so look at what he says. He says this. He says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is now let's look at this word forsake hold on i got to get back to my because i was looking at two different things let's look at this word forsake this word forsake means to abandon to abandon now if you're in the church if, if we're doing service on sunday and we're doing service on wednesday we got two services on sunday a service on Wednesday, and you're here for the majority of the services, are you abandoning the assembly? No, you're not abandoning the assembly. Uh, it says to desert. Are you deserting the body of Christ? No. Uh, it says to leave in straits or leave helpless. Oh, oh, we see things a little different now. Uh, the church service is not just dependent upon the pastor or the minister ministering. I can't minister what needs to be administered, uh, what needs to be ministered or administered, really. I can't do it if you don't have an expectation. If you don't go to God and say, God, this is what I need, then I don't get the message to preach. If you don't come and sit with your spiritual antennas up, going, I, you know, you've got to have your spiritual antenna up. You've got to have your little receiver going, dee, 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 dee. where's the answer? Where's the answer? God, where's God? If you don't have that up, then you're not helping. You're not assisting. You're leaving the minister without aid and help. You're leaving your brother and sister in, in, uh, in dire straits or deserted or abandoned because you're not there pulling. You're not there pulling. You know, part of being on Brother, Brother Randy's road team, you know, yes, we have a responsibility to get there early and set up. We have a responsibility at the end of the meeting to break everything down, pack everything up, and help get it in the truck. And, and Chris has got the responsibility to get it back to Oklahoma, back to the offices. 
And yes, that's a big responsibility. But beyond that and what's a higher responsibility is our ability to assemble in faith, pulling on the anointing, pulling on the gift, pulling out the, the prophet's office and saying, okay, God, correct us. Okay, God, show us where you're leading. Show us where you're going. Why? Because we're scattered throughout the room. And we're pulling on that anointing so that the baby sitting next to us can get fed. This is why we don't forsake the assembly. It's because it's not just, you know, um, one of the fathers of old, Smith Wigglesworth or uh, uh, Charles, uh, anyways, one of them. I don't remember which one it was right off the bat. But he said this. He said, don't ask what your church can do for you. Ask God, what can I do for my church? What can I do? Father, what can I do for the church today? Because when you don't, and one of the things that you can do for God is you can show up in faith. You can show up. He said, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting, look, he said, come in exhorting one another. Don't come in. Don't come in carrying the world with you. Don't come in. Listen, the people in the church have enough world on them. Come in and help them get washed clean. Come in and build them up. Come in saying, man, the goodness of God. Oh, the goodness of God. I was struggling this week, but God showed up. Don't come in murmuring and complaining and gossiping. Come in exalting. Come in prepared. Listen, come in prepared to be a brain washer. A brain washer. What do you mean by a brain washer? It says that the word of God is, is uh, that the word washes, washes us clean. Washes. Being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Washing your thoughts with the word. Come in and give somebody, come in prepared. Father, give me a word for somebody. Now, don't be fruity and flaky and walk up to them and say, Ooh, brother, I just come into church and brother, brother, let me just tell you, honey, your wife is on the way. Woo, I saw her. She's going to be wearing purple and scarlet and she's going to be, oh, you'll know her. Don't be flaky. Don't be fruity. Don't be flaky. Don't be doing that. Woo, sister, I got it for you. I got the word for you. God's got a plan for you. You just need to go on that, go to the airport and just ask God, God, which plane do I get on? Don't be fruity. Don't be flaky. Don't be doing that. God's going to tell you what plane to get on, and he's going to take you into the abundance of Christ. Don't be fruity and flaky. No, come in and exhort each other. Come in and build each other up. Come in and just come, just walk in and say, Brother, you're blessed and highly favored. Woo, you're blessed and highly favored. Sister, God's well pleased with you. Well pleased. I had a, I had a, I had an elder in our church that from time to time he would just, he, 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 he'd all of a sudden he'd turn around and he'd walk back to me and he'd say, you just need to know God's well pleased with you. And I thought, well, how does he know? 
I literally thought, how does he know God's pleased with me? And I was struggling because my prayer was, God, I just want you to be pleased with me. And all of a sudden, he'd walk over to me and he'd go, God, God, God just wants you to know he's well pleased with you. And then I found the scripture. I thought this man was genius. I really thought this man was genius. But then I found the scripture that it says it's impossible to please, to please God without faith. Well, I was in faith. So, so and, you know, and, and maybe I was questioning, am I in faith? And he comes over and he says, you're well pleased. God's well pleased with you. Oh, God's letting me know. I'm in faith. I'm in faith because he's well pleased. Come on, come in with an exhortation. He says, come in. He said, exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, all you got to do is read one book in the New Testament and you'll figure out the day is coming. We are close. We are close. All you got to do is check with your spirit. We are close. If you can't see the filth of the world, just, I mean, Whew, man, we are close. He said, another, another word of this, don't forsake the assembly, is leave behind. Don't leave it behind. Don't leave it behind. So when I say, you know, if you're not in church when the, door, when the church doors are open, you're in sin. Listen, what I'm talking about is if you're forsaking the assembly. If it's your habit to purposely miss church. If it's your habit to purposely make excuses as to why you cannot assemble regularly. If you can't assemble regularly. Well, I assemble once a week. That's good. Well, that's fantastic. How many times a week do you assemble at, the little, at your kid's Little League sports game? How many times a week do you assemble? How many times a week does the family assemble in front of the television? How many times a week does the family assemble at the restaurant? How, many, how often are you assembling with family and friends? How many times are you assembling with your hobby? Are these things getting more assembly time than your God? Than your God? So that's what I mean by saying if you're, if you're not here... Now, are we dogmatic about it? No, God's not, God's not offended by you going and, you know, uh, going and celebrating your 20th anniversary. God's not offended by that. In fact, we rejoice with you. Their anniversary is Wednesday. Praise God. They've made it 20 years. That's more than most. Praise God. They're honoring God in their marriage. Thank you, Jesus. God's not offended at that. God's not offended. That you go out and you set aside a week for God or five weeks or six weeks and, and you're not in the church when you're in the church the rest of the time. God's not offended at that. But if church offers services three times a week, you ought to purpose in your heart to be there at least once, probably two times if at all possible. Three would be dynamic. That would be dynamic. If, God, if the church offers prayer service multiple times a week, which we, which we now do, we have prayer on Sundays from 5 to 6. Primarily what we pray for in that service is for the lost and for, heal- and for people that need healing. 
That's primarily for people. For and, and we pray and we call out some. We call some people out by name because we know of the need. And then we pray for general healing of the nation. And we pray for general healing amongst the people. But honestly, a large portion of what we pray for is for deliverance and salvation. Because how much you know? You get somebody delivered. You get somebody saved. You get them healed. I mean, that's that right. I mean, you get somebody saved, then that automatically physically heals them if they're taught right. If they're taught right. So, you know, you know, uh, you ought to make, when we do prayer for the nation, you ought to show up every once in a while. You know, don't just forsake it and say, oh, no, I don't need to be a part of that. No, your nation needs your prayers. Your nation needs your prayers. Um, and, 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 you know, now we're going to do prayer on Friday night. Now, here's the deal. Do you have to commit your every Friday night to it? No, you don't have to commit your every Friday night. But you should commit to showing up to prayer at least sometimes, rather it's Sunday evening or Friday evening. That's, and what, well, but, Pastor, I don't, even get, I don't even get off work until 6, 6.30. That's okay. Show up. If you can't do Friday night, you can do Sunday evening. Just show up sometimes. Well, I'm not good at praying. Well, you know what? When I first showed up, I wasn't good at praying either. But if you get around people that are praying, you'll learn how to pray. You'll learn how to pray. Just get around it. Just get around the spirit of it. God will create a hunger. And if you say, well, I just don't have a hunger to be there. Well, Father, I see in the Word I'm not supposed to forsake prayer. Uh, Give me a hunger for it and help me to respond to it. Give me a hunger for it. Brianna blessed my socks off this morning because, I mean, we were, we, I mean, we, we, listen, we did not make this decision lightly. We considered doing it Thursday nights. We considered Tuesday nights. We considered doing prayer on Tuesday, moving Wednesday service to Thursday so we didn't have it all in a row. We looked at, we looked at, well, what about the praise team? We look, because they come in, I mean, they, that's another service that they come to. The praise team comes in when nobody else does, and they get before the Lord and they worship. And, and they work things out so that they can lead you into the presence of God. We considered all of this. We considered, well, most people like to go do something fun with their family on Friday nights. We looked at all of this. And what finally settled in our spirit, what finally settled in our heart, was God said Friday night at 6. And then Brianna came in. She said she came into the office this morning when she saw the date. And she said, Pastor, I'm God's favorite. And I said, you are. And she, I, I kind of hem-hawed because I was eating a thingy. But, I, but, I, but, I said, but eventually I said, okay, tell me why you're God's favorite. And she said, because when you started talking about doing weekly prayer at Brother Randy's, she said, I went to the Lord and I told the Lord, Lord, I want to be a part of that, but the only time I can come is Friday night. Guess what? She just might be God's favorite. She just might be. Because God heard the request. Derek, Derek, when we were talking about it, he said, Pastor, i got to tell you. He said, he, said, I, he said, please, let's do prayer. And he said, and honestly, because he used to do prayer with us on Friday nights. He said, he said, Pastor, he said, please, he said, honestly, he said, I understand Friday nights and people, you know, get a little fussy about that. He said, but honestly, I loved it when we did prayer Friday nights. He said, because, you know, he said, yeah, sometimes it was we were just in and out. He said, but sometimes I mean God moved and miraculous things took place. He said, man, he said, I mean, God through prayer would just correct me and shift me. He said, there would be things I'd be talking to God about. And all of a sudden you just pray it out. 
He said it was so good. We did prayer like this uh, on Thursday nights with the prior pastor, and that's actually what caused the church to grow. It was what brought growth. It was what brought growth. The Lord, you remember, Jesus turned over the temple tables because the church was more about social events. Not the social events are bad, but they were having their bazaars and selling their goods, and it was more about the social club. And he got mad about it and said, uh, and he tossed the temple tables and chased them out with a whip. And he said, do you not know that my house is supposed to be a house of prayer? And that was part of the blueprint. And God was really dealing with me because he said, I told you in the blueprint you were to be a house of prayer. You're to have multiple prayer services. It's coming. The time is coming. We've got a little bit more work to do on the renovation stuff. But the time is coming where the altar will be open from 930 till service time on Sunday mornings. The praise team will be done with, they're usually done with practice. Usually, most of the time, they're done by 930. Most of the time, they are. And when they're done with their practice, the doors will be open, and the altar will be opened for prayer. Wednesday nights, Derek and Zach have already talked to Pastor Mike about it, Master Mike and I about it, and they said, honestly, uh, Pastor, the Lord's been dealing with us about coming to church an hour early on Wednesday nights and just walking the church and praying. And that's coming. That's coming. The foundations room, we've got some more work we've got to do in the foundations room, but the foundations room will be open for prayer prior to services where you can get in there and you can, you can just walk, kneel, whatever you need to do, and just spend time with the Lord praying. Why? Because that's what's going to bring in, that's what's going to usher in the presence of God. Uh, so so uh, we're going to begin. Now, do you have to do all of these things all of the time? No. But you need to participate as often as you can. As often as you can. God understands we have busy lives. God understands that we can't do everything. But how much do you know God said he's a jealous God? And if God had it his way, listen to me, if God had it his way, we would, be, we would be in his presence instead of present in the things of the world. Did you catch that? If God had it his way, we would be in his presence instead of present in the things of the world. Why? Because he loves to spend time with you because that's how precious and wonderful you are. Now, on that note, we're going to talk about today's message. And today's message, we're already, it's already 1120. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Uh, We're going to talk about the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Turn to, turn to uh, John chapter 10. John chapter 10. The goodness of God. Oh, love, love, love. Love, love, love. John chapter 10. Well, y'all turn to John chapter 10. I'm going to ask um, Brooke to bring up Matthew 22, verse 40. 
uh, actually bring up verse chapter uh, Matthew 22 verse 38. Matthew 22:38 on the screen. I want to look at this. He said, "This is the first and great commandment." Next verse. He said, "And the second is like unto it." Uh, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I guess we need to back up. Go to 37. Back up. There we go. And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. That's what he means. Now we'll look at 38. This is the first and great commandment. We talked about that commandment a couple weeks ago. Let's go on to the next one. He said, And the second is like unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So, he's got these two great commandments, but look at verse 40, which is the verse that I want to show you. He said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything that is contained in the Old Testament is not done away. What is contained in the Old Testament, the promises of God that are in the Old Testament, are true today. The promises of God, the provision of God that is in the Old Testament, is yours today. Yours today. Now, we don't need to spend a lot of our study time in the Old Testament. Why? Because that's not the covenant we're under. That's not the anointing that we're under. That's not the provision that we're under. But having a basic understanding of what occurred in the Old Testament will help you to understand the New Testament better. And it's in the Old Testament that you find most of the promises of God Really spelled out. Really spelled out. Uh, So now I want you to look at John 10. Keep that in mind. That what's in the Old Testament, the provision that's in the Old Testament, applies to you today. Now let's look at John 10 and verse 10. Now most of us know John 10, 10. At least part A of it, the first part of it. We all know the first part of it really well. That the thief cometh, cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. And uh, these verses, if you go back and you read these chapters, you're going to find out that he was honestly talking about, that what Jesus was largely talking about was the uh, religious people and the Pharisees and, and the false prophets and all that. Well, who's behind, the, who's behind those people? The thief, Satan. Satan. But he says, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. Most people think that that is all that John 10.10 10 says. It's not all that John 10.10 10 says. In fact, the best part of John 10.10 10 is the second part. He said, but I, he said, I am. How much you know Jesus is the great I am? He said, I am come that you might... Your choice, this is your decision, this is up to you, that you might have life and, now here's the cool part, and that they might have it more abundantly. One of the, part of the goodness of God is he wants you to have the more abundant life. He doesn't want you just skirting into heaven by the skin of your teeth. He doesn't want you just slipping in as the gate is closing. He wants you, he doesn't only want you to have eternal life, but he wants you to have life here presently. And he wants that life here presently to be in abundant 
life, an abundant life. Well, but why does it say might? Because it's largely dependent upon you. It's largely dependent upon you as to if you obtain life. Well, obtaining life is completely on you. And really, obtaining abundant life is completely on you. It's completely on you in regards to you being obedient so that God can bless you with the obedience. Did you hear me? You getting the abundant life is dependent on you being obedient so that you can obtain the obedient life. That's just really good. Y'all need to write that down. Okay? Getting the abundant life is based on your obedience to God. Now let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we're going to really right here, verse 17. Verse 17 is the keynote scripture. That's the main scripture I want you to look at. This is the main scripture. But we're going to read a little bit more to understand our role in obtaining these wonderful things. Verse 17 says this. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every foul, disgusting thing that happens in your life. Is that what it says? No. Every good, what? Gift. Gift. How much do you know it's a good thing to get good gifts? It's a good thing to get good gifts. One of the, one of the love languages that speaks very well to me is receiving a gift. It speaks very well to me. Why? Because that person took the time. Number one, they took time out of their schedule. Number two, they thought of me when I wasn't presently in their face. Number three, they actually invested their finances into me. And, And number four, I just love surprises. Surprises are wonderful. Well, but pastor, but here's the deal. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me if the gift is a note on a sticky page. You took time out to bless me. That's what matters. You can buy me. I mean, my husband, there there are days. Now, I've gotten to where I've just received the gifts of God, and I'm better about it. I let God love me this way, and my husband doesn't have to. But, but there was a season in my life when I would call my husband and say, I'm, I'm just struggling with my, I'm struggling today. I need a gift. And he'd go, what? And I'd say, I need a gift. Just bring me a gift. And he'd go, what do you want? And I'd go, I don't care. Just bring me a gift. He'd stop at the store and get me a peppermint patty, and it just made me feel so loved. He'd bring me home a flower. I'd feel so loved. Not a bouquet of flowers, just a single flower. Just, I just feel loved. Uh, y'all, most of y'all, some of y'all heard about uh, the penguin. Remember, he was yesterday. You, you know, we've had this text with this penguin. Pastor Mike's taking pictures of himself with this penguin on the fire. And uh, and, and and the way he told me that I was getting a penguin is we were in a text. Ma- he created a text message uh, with our 360 group, and he said, and he said, just me and 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 my wife's new best friend hanging out together. And it was a picture of him and this penguin. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. I got me a penguin. Ah! He loves me, thinks about me, because y'all know I love penguins. And uh, so he's been taking these pictures. So he's been taking pictures of him with this penguin, and it's so funny because he's he, he's got the guys doing it with him, and it's and it's just really cool. And he sent a picture this morning, and um, 
how the penguin came to pass, because I found out yesterday the backstory. So now the penguin's name is Mr. Money, uh, because because Pastor, Pastor Mike needed some equipment, and he went to the campus store to get some equipment, and the cashier said, if you just spend $5 more, you can get $30 off. And so Mike was like, oh, okay. So he walked around the store for another 30 minutes, and I'm like, well, honey, you just spent your $30 in time, but whatever. And I uh, couldn't find anything that he wanted, and then finally he saw these plushies, and then he saw a penguin plushie. He said, that's it. I'm getting that for my wife. And I said, just out of curiosity, uh, did the penguin only cost $5 or did it cost 30 He said, honestly, I don't have a clue how much it cost. It's a good possibility it cost me the $30. He said, but I got it for you because I saw it and I thought of you. And I said, well, praise God. And he always taking these pictures with it. So his name is now Mr. Money. So this morning I'm back in the office getting ready and he sends a picture and of him in the truck with Mr. Penguin in his hand. And I was like, oh, so cool. I was like, yay, my honey and Mr. Money. And he said, blow up the picture. And I was like, oh, okay. And behind him is a buck in the picture. There's a buck in the picture. And I was like, wow, that's my husband and, and Mr. Money and a four-point buck. Well, that's really cool. Wow, that's awesome. How much you know? That's a gift. That's a gift. That's a treat. And, but look at this. It says, but, and, but, and where does my husband learn to, how did my husband learn to do this? Because it's the character of God. I like gifts. Why? Because, that, because God likes to gift us. Is it wrong to like gifts? No. Why? Because the goodness of God is to give us every good gift. Every good gift. Now, here's what you don't want to know. When, here's what you don't want to do. When God blesses you with a good thing... Sometimes his good gifts come with responsibilities. For example, when God gifted us with the office of pastor, how much do you know it came with responsibility? It came with drama and bombs. That's what it came with. It would be wrong of me to say, well, God, I don't know if this is a good gift or a bad gift. Because if it's a bad gift, it's from Satan. But if it's, a good, but if it's a gift from God, it's good. So when God calls you and moves you into places, when he gifts you with responsibility, when he gifts you with a call, when he gifts you with an anointing, when he gifts you with a skill, don't despise it. Why? Because it's good. Everything that God gives is good, and he says, every good gift and every perfect gift. How much do you know the gift of being a pastor is a perfect gift for me and Pastor Mike? Why? Because we thrive in this environment. We love this environment. Even when the stress is high, even when there are bombs exploding, even when there's drama at every turn, Mari turned to me yesterday and said, aren't you glad that I don't come to you with every little drama in my life? And I kind of looked at him and I thought, you know, it's just part of my job. It's okay. It's part of who God created me to be. I mean, I'm thrilled that he's grown up and mature enough in God that he can handle it. But at the same time, uh, I don't know that I would be fulfilling my plan and my purpose if nobody had any drama ever. You know, if people didn't have things going on. 
That's right. And that's the one she, she just said, you're going to have to have new people when we're all mature. And that's exactly why the church has to continually grow. It's because you guys have got to get to a level where you can now become the teachers and become the examples of no drama. So that when new people come in, you can go, mm, yeah, we don't operate that way. We don't go that way. Why? Because they're look, the world is actually, believe it or not, the world is looking for something different. They're looking for different. He said, and comes down. So every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from who? The father of lights. Why is he the father of lights? Because God is light himself. God is the creator of the heavens. He's the creator of the sun, the moon, the stars. He's even the creator. Listen, we can look at the light bulb and say, oh, Edison was the creator. No. God gave Edison the wisdom and the knowledge to create. God gave Edison the, um, the gift of faithfulness to keep going in the face of disappointment after disappointment after disappointment after disappointment after disappointment after disappointment because he tried because Edison worked I mean I think Edison had a thousand failures before he got the light bulb how much do you know that's the character of God especially from a ministerial standpoint because people will ask me all the time, well, how many youths do you have? Well, how many are still in your church? And how many of this and how many of that? And you know what? When I sit down and I stop and I think about it, I see failure after failure after failure after failure after failure after failure. Why? Because people have free will. But then I look around and I see success, 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 success. The average, honestly, is about 1%. Honestly. It's about 1%. But you know what? That's better than what Noah got. Noah had 0% success. Other than his family, which he probably said, I don't care what you think, you're getting on the boat. He probably said, I don't care, you are getting on the boat. Period. End of story. Don't argue with me. And that's probably why. I mean, we don't even know the wives or the children or, or the daughters' names. We know Noah's name and the son's names. We don't know Noah's wife's name. We don't know the daughters' names. Noah was like, "Y'all giving me too much stuff. Nobody will know your names." I don't know that that's true. I don't know that that's true. But you know, he had zero success rate. Zero. No, I mean, and it took him 75, 80 years to build the boat. On average, that's what they guesstimate. Faithfulness of God. He said, and God comes down, and he says, and these good and these perfect gifts come down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither a shadow of turning. God, when he, did, when he puts goodness on you, when he bestows a gift on you, he does not change his mind. That's why over in the book of Romans, it says that the giftings and callings of God are not of repentance. In other words, once God calls you to something, and here's the deal. I'm not just talking about ministry. Once God says, you're a doctor. I'm calling you to be a doctor. I'm calling you to be a plumber. I'm calling you to be a daycare worker. I'm calling you to be in the medical field. I'm calling you to this. I'm calling, I'm calling you to be a firefighter. 
I'm calling you to this. I'm calling you to that. Listen, Pastor Mike's a firefighter in the natural and in the spirit. Do you ever think about that? He's fighting the fires of hell in the spirit. Do you ever think about that? Listen, once God calls you to something, you can reject it and run from it all the days of your life if you so choose. But God is never going to change his mind and call you to something different. He's never going to change his mind. So you might as well just figure out God's plan. What have you gifted me with? What have you? What ability have you given me? And just go ahead and accept it and get into it. Why? Because that's where the abundant life lies. That's where the abundant life lies. Glory to God. Go to John chapter 3. John 3. Now here... This was an interesting thing, and if you don't stop and think about it, you'll, be, you, you'll totally miss it. Here, you know, before Jesus came along, the masses were flocked to John's ministry, John the Baptist, not John the writer of the gospel, but John the Baptist. The people were flocked to him. He, had the first, he probably had the first mega church. I mean, John, I mean, John had it going on. And then when Jesus came, all of John's church members began to leave John and began to go to Jesus' church. And the Pharisees were trying to come and stir up strife between John and Jesus. They were trying to stir up strife. But in John chapter 3, uh, verse 25, it says, Then there arose questions between some of John's disciples and the Jews about um, purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizes all men come to him. He said, they said, they came and said, uh, John, now everybody's going to Jesus to be baptized. Everybody's leaving you. And John was full of the Holy Ghost, and John said something incredible. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. You cannot receive the abundance of God unless God gives it to you. You cannot receive the abundance of life unless God gives it to you. To you, go to Ephesians. Go to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. And people don't think about this. Galatians chapter five. People say this all the time. People say, "Oh, but they're such a good person. They're such a good person." Well, who gave them the ability to be good? Who gave them that ability? Who gave them? Rather they receive God or not, God gave them the ability to be good. Look at John, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Galatians 5, 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. How much you know God is love? God has unspeakable joy. God has peace that surpasses all understanding. God is long-suffering. He's full of patience. God is long-suffering. Gentleness and good 
goodness. Where do we get our goodness from? God. We can flow in goodness because God flows in us and out of us. If God is goodness, we're goodness. If God is love, we're love. If God is joy, we're joy. If God is long-suffering, we're long-suffering. If God is uh, gentle, we are gentle. If God is goodness, guess what? We are goodness. We are goodness. Why are we goodness? Because God lives and dwells on the inside of us. He moves in us and through us. And, and it's just so wonderful. So wonderful. Uh, turn to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Sometimes we look at our life and we think, have you ever done a project and you look at your project and you go, man, I was amazing. Look at the good job I did. Have you ever had that happen? I want to look at something. I want to show you something right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, verse 17. I wrote this wrong down. I wrote it down wrong. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 7. I wrote the verse number wrong. I wrote the first one. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, for who maketh thee to differ? In other words, who who makes you different or more able than somebody else? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? In other words, uh, what is it that you have that you did not receive somehow? There's nothing, if you stop and you think about your life, there's nothing that you have that did not come from somewhere else. If you think about it, there's nothing in your life that did not come from somewhere other than yourself. He said on this, he said, now, if you or thou didst receive it, why do you glory as if you had not received it? In other words, why do you look at something that you obtain or something that you have and go, ooh, look at how good I am. Look at how precious I am. Look at, how, look at what I obtained. Listen, you did not obtain anything under your own might and power. You obtained it through the, through the use of the abilities that God gave you. You obtained it through the goodness of God in your life. That's how it comes. It comes through God being so good. We get so focused on self that we completely miss the goodness of God. You get to go, listen, a lot of, most Sundays, we like to go sit down and eat and fellowship with one another. How much do you know our ability to get in our car and drive to the restaurant, sit down, eat a meal, and have somebody wait on us, and then us be able to pay for their service, How much do you know? That ability was bestowed on us because of God. It's not, ooh, I worked like a dog and I've got the money and I bought the car and da-da-da-da-da-da. Yes, that's the process, but that's not how that came to pass in your life. That came to pass in your life because of the goodness of God. Because of the goodness of God. Listen, every breath you breathe out of your lungs is because of the goodness of God. 
If God, if God said, mm, no more breath for you, just think about it. If God said, uh, they're wasting my life breath, so no more breath for them, do you think you'd be able to breathe under your own might, power, and ability? Nope. In fact, it's, in fact, it's proven that when the being leaves the body, the body ceased to exist. When the spirit being leaves the body, the body ceased to exist. Like the shell is still there, but the life and the emanation of the body, gone. 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 Oh, my goodness. We did not receive this of our own selves. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And we're just barely scratching the surface. I mean, there's... There's probably hundreds of scriptures on the goodness of God. We're just barely just, I mean, we're just easing into this thing. Philippians chapter 4, we know this verse. We love this verse. This is an awesome verse. But do we ever stop and really think about it? Uh, Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all of your need. Listen, not some of your need, not part of your need, not only what he sees you should have. He supplies all, all. If there's anything that you need, it's provided by God. Your job is not your source. Your Social Security is not your source. Your retirement pension, not your source. Those are the tools that God uses but they are not your source. How much do you know when you go to the store and you happen to arrive on discount day? Uh, that was God that prompted you to go on that day. That was God that prompted you to go. That was God that arranged for the sale to be on the day you go. Listen, when we go shopping, our, our shopping experience is always soaked in prayer. Father, we thank you for deals ahead of time. Father, we thank you for sales. Father, we thank you for buy one, get ones. Father, we thank you for big discounts. Father, we thank you that what we need, Father, like if you're going for linens, Father, we thank you that the right linens are in the right place. They're easy to find. How much do you know? Uh, that was God. That was God. Father, we thank you that they're on sale. That's God. Father, we thank you that when we take a big group to the restaurant, it doesn't take us three hours. That we get in, we get our food, we get good service, and we get out. Father, we thank you. Why? Because God supplies. I had somebody, I had a lady, it was so funny. I'm, I'm not girly. I am not girly. Uh, and, and the idea of dressing in, you know, in a girly fashion is honestly stressful for me. It really is. And when I travel with my wonderful young girls, they like to, they like to kind of give me a little, you know, they like to, they like to say, Pastor, be our Barbie doll. Let us pick out your clothes. And I'll pull like something out and I'm thinking about it. And they're like, oh no, Pastor, like, mm, you gotta, mm, you know. And then other times they're like, oh, God, you look amazing. And I'm like, I've got the Holy Ghost. He can teach me how to dress. It's okay. I got this, y'all. <laughs> and it is. It's all out of love, and, and, and they're playing, and I understand that. But sometimes I'm like, seriously, I can dress myself. 
may not be your standard. It may not be your style, but I, I got this. I do. And um, but it was so funny because because I'm also because there's I have a lot of lady friends. I have a tremendous amount of lady friends that they love to shop the bargains. Like, they'll get into these stores, and they get on the clearance racks, and they find the most amazing deals. And I go to these places, and I'm like, oh, dear Lord, it's not, it's not organized at all. I can't do this. I got to go. Like, I, I, I don't shop that. That's very stressful for me. And so I had this one lady one time. I was at a meeting this one time. And this lady came up to me, and she goes, can I ask you kind of a private question? And I said, sure, whatever you need. What, what, what's up? And she goes, where do you buy your clothes? And I said, excuse me? She goes, you always have the cutest outfits, and you always just look so nice. And I thought, lady, you don't have a clue. <laughs> so, I, so I sat there, and I thought for a minute, and I said, honestly, here's what I do. I tell Jesus ahead of time, Father, I'm going shopping Get the perfect clothes in the easy-to-find spots and make it easy for me because I don't do the girly thing very easy. And the lady went, really? And I said, yeah. And she said, but what do you shop? And I said, I'll go to Burke's. I'll go to Cato's. I've, you know, I listed off some different places. I said, sometimes I'll go to TJ Maxx. Sometimes I'll go to Dillard. Sometimes I'll go uh, uh, to these other stores. I said, but really, I just pray before I go. Because I, this is a challenge for me. Um, how much do you know? That's God supplying your needs. Don't even get me started on shoes. I have Fred Flintstone feet. The front are very wide. The back are very narrow. It's very hard to find shoes that, will, are, that are either not killing the front of my feet or sliding off the back of my feet. I despise shoe shopping. I do have, well, it's time to refresh them again. She said I have a ridiculous, <laughs> well, it's time to go shopping again. <laughs> time for the lace shopping trip again she says i have a ridiculous amount of shoes and i'm thinking y'all i have like five pair i know women that have like 60 pair of shoes <laughs> no that's it like five no 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 i have my black shoes my yellow shoes i have a pair of white flats black flats and blue flats that's it no the red no the red shoes are gone i said my yellow but my point is is god shall supply all, all your needs. Listen, and here's the cool thing about God. Here's the most amazing thing about God. You can just simply say, God, I need or I would like to have. And you know what? He makes it happen. He makes it happen. He's amazing. Let's go to this sister verse, Ephesians chapter 3. I know we're at time. Uh, maybe we'll pick this up again next week. But I just want you to look at the amazingness of God. Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to pick up right here in verse 16. Now, this is Paul's prayer, but he's, but he's praying under the unction of the Holy Ghost, which means that this all aligns with the Word of God. And he says, and he prays this. He says, I pray that he, being God, would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Now, we just read the book of Revelations. And we found out that God in his glory is decked out in pure gold. He's decked out in jasmine and rubies and pearls. And, I mean, he's decked out in stones we've never even heard of. 
I mean, he, the whole kingdom. I mean, the streets of gold are, the streets of heaven are paved in pure gold. The foundations, there's 12 foundations and every one of them is a precious stone. The wall is solid jasper and that wall is 1,500 miles long in every direction, in all four directions. Uh, do you think that finances is a problem for God? No. He said, he said, I pray that God would grant you according to his, 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 according to the riches of his glory. His glory. Listen, we got to quit being poverty-minded. We got to quit being poverty-minded. We were bringing back all this stuff from the from the camping trip or from the picnic yesterday, and I opened the car door without paying attention, not thinking a thing about it, and the condiment tray went, and all under the asphalt it went, and all and there went the fruit tray too, and my immediate brain went, oh my God, all that money, and then immediately my spirit said, what are you doing? And I went, woo! By the glorious riches of Christ Jesus, they ain't nothing to Jesus. I swept it up and I chucked it in the dumpster. Why? Because with God, all our needs are met. All our needs are met. We've got to change our thinking. He said to be strengthened. (laughs) Check this out. To be strengthened with all might. We should never say, we should never say out of our mouth, I'm weak. I'm broken. I'm incapable. I don't have the strength. God's goodness will provide you all the strength that you need. He said to be strengthened with all might by his spirit in the inner man. If you get this inner man strengthened, your inner man has everything it needs to get this outer man under control. Get this outer man under control he said that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth what is the length what is the depth and the height now that's a hard thing to understand what he's talking about but he's talking about the goodness of god the goodness of god you've got to come to the place where you understand the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of the goodness of God. There is not a thing in this world. People are so consumed with, I've got to provide everything for my children. If you will provide a solid foundation in Jesus Christ, your children will never go without. Do you hear me? If you will provide a solid foundation in Jesus Christ into your children, your children will never go without. Never. Never go without. We've had, we've had uh, youth in our, in our programs before where their parents put a solid foundation in them. And I mean, these kids were rolling in finances when they were 16 and 17 years old. Because they learned from a young age how to believe God. Because they learned from a young age how to tithe and how to sow seed. Listen, you give a little, you sow a foundation into your, into your children about the goodness of God and that sowing and reaping. 
you sow that foundation into them, they'll get their allowance and they'll give the whole thing to God and then God will turn around them and bless them with the most amazing toys and you're thinking, Lord, hello, what about me? Why? Because they're doing it with childlike faith. They're doing it with childlike faith. I mean, it's just amazing what people, when you begin to understand the goodness of God and to know the love of Christ. Part of the goodness of God is knowing the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Listen, you don't have to be dumb and ignorant all the days of your life. If you'll just come into the love of Christ, God will fill you with the knowledge of God. He'll make you look like a genius. He'll begin, I mean, you can just, you can like do a little research and put this thing, pull this piece of information and this piece of information and this piece of information and this piece of information. And then all of a sudden God puts it together like a puzzle and you understand the whole thing. You're like, wow, wow. I was answering a question for Brianna the other day because she was being a wonderful witness to a friend of hers. And uh, whether you like it or not, this is, a, this is an epidemic, especially in our young people. They don't know what sex is. They don't know. They, they have no clue. As far as they're concerned, as far as our young people are concerned, and I'm not picking on her, and, and I'm saying this young generation, everything goes as long as it's not intercourse, because as long as you don't have actual physical intercourse, you're not having sex. So I was pulling all of this information in these scriptures because she's learned this, and she was talking to a friend, and she was talking to this friend about, you need to set your boundaries. And this friend's in love with God, and, and, and so she was, and, and the friend asked her a very honest question. Well, according to the Bible, what is sex? And Brianna began to explain it to her, and then she called me. She said, Pastor, I need the scriptures, and you've got to make it easy. Well, how much do you know? The scriptures that explain sex are not easy because they use words like uh, fornication, adultery, lasciviousness, concupiscence, lust, and all of these other things. So I was trying to pull it together for her, and I was trying to make it super simple. And, um, and I, I, was, I was pulling some definitions and pulling some things, and all of a sudden it clicked. And I was explaining, I know we're going to leave and we're talking about the goodness of God, but I was explaining that idol worship was very physical, that they worshipped the physical body. And, and, and that, this, that their worship included, and I'm listening, and I'm typing by the Holy Ghost. You know, I'm like, Holy Ghost, help me, and I'm typing by the Holy Ghost. And I said, their worship includes nudity and pornography. Now, in my mind, pornography is something of a newer thing because, you know, visuals and things like that. But all of the sudden... The Holy Ghost prompted me, and the Holy Ghost said, and their temples were full of it. And I got to thinking about that. If you think about the art from the time of the Roman Empire, if you think about the, what we put in our museums and we say, this is wonderful art and the body's not to be ashamed, and how much do you know all that art is them laying on top of each other naked? The sculptures are all very detailed about the physical body, including the private areas of the body. Their temples were lined with pornography. This is idolic worship. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the goodness of God. The goodness of God will make you highly intelligent. You will begin to, if you will begin to talk to God about things you have questions about, he will begin to reveal things on levels that you never even considered. 
Never even consider. He'll begin to put these things together for you. Because I typed that out. I said, uh, you know, they were, you know, I, I said nudity, including pornography. And then all of a sudden, my, I just went, because I'm listening to the Holy Ghost, and I typed out, and their temples were full of it. And the second I typed that, I went, oh, Lord. Now, I know, now, and immediately when that happened, I immediately went, now, Lord, I understand why I was uncomfortable in art class. Now I understand why I was uncomfortable in art class. Why? Because those are the things of idolic worship. And my spirit was alive unto God. Listen, I mean, God, the goodness of God is amazing. I mean, it's just amazing. He said to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Being, part, being filled with the fullness of God, part of that is being filled with the knowledge of God. Now unto him that is able, check this out. Now unto him, he's telling us who God is. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think according to the power, according to the power that works in us. In other words, I want you to really stop and think about this. If you've got the knowledge of God working on the inside of you, you have his knowledge. You have his understanding. You get the idea. You understand that all the gold, all the silver, all the gems, all the cattle, all the animals of the forest, all of it belongs to God. And in Christ, it all belongs to me and to you. How much you, and then, and then you get that understanding, and then God goes, I can do more than that. I can do, I mean, that thought right there, that thought, God has all of the gold, all of the silver, all of the cattle, all of the animals of the forest, all of the gems of the world, they all belong to God, and because they belong to God, and I belong to God, and what God has, I have, I mean, right there, my head is like, right? And then God goes, that ain't nothing, I can do more than that. Talk about his goodness. Oh, his goodness. Oh, the goodness of God. Y'all hold on for one, more, one or two more verses. Go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. So remember I said the promises of the Old Testament apply to us in the New Testament. Genesis chapter 12, talking about the goodness of God, the favor of God, the ability of God. Oh, my goodness. Now, while y'all turn there, I'm going to put you in remembrance of Acts chapter 19 and 15. I'm just putting you in remembrance. Remember when the sons of Sceva went to cast out the demons? And the, son, and the demon looked at the sons of Sceva, and the demon said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Pay very close attention to what we see here. In Genesis chapter 12. It says, now the Lord has said unto Abram, this is before it becomes Abraham, this is the beginning, this is like the first promise of God. That He said, get thee out of the country, we could say it this way, get you out of the world, and from thy kindred, quit focusing on the family, start focusing on me, quit focusing on the friends, start focusing on me, and from thy father's house, Quit being dependent upon your parents. Start depending on me. He said, into the land that I will show thee. In other words, he said, start following me. 
And then this is the promise of God. He said, and I will make thee a great nation. A great nation. Now, he was talking to Abram about a physical nation, but he was also taking, talking to Abram about a spiritual nation, a spiritual people, a spiritual provision, a spiritual place. He said, I will bless thee and, I, and make thee name great. How much do you know Abram's name is great? We still praise Abram today, Abraham, Father Abraham. Oh, we're so thankful for Father Abraham. We're so thankful. But I tell you where where Abraham is more known. Abraham is more known in the spirit. A lot of people, when when they get to heaven, they're like, I want to meet Father Abraham. They want to know Father Abraham. I always equated this verse, I will make thy name great. I always equated that to being to, to your name being great in the natural he's going to make you somebody he's going to make you a star he's going to make you na- somebody i'm telling you what i'd rather be a nobody in the natural than a somebody in the spirit i'm telling you right now when the spirits know your name i'm not bragging on me i'm bragging on jesus but when the spirits know your name you can accomplish some things like casting out demons listen demons Demons don't like me when I show up in a room. They don't. Why? Because they know my name. I am famous in the spiritual realm for casting them out, for evicting them. And then not only am I famous for evicting them, but I'm associated with somebody that's even more famous for evicting them. I'm associated with Brother Randy. And in fact, I was dealing while I was established, while God was establishing my name. In the spirit realm, I was dealing with a demon and did not want to go with some demons and they did not want to come out. And I had called Brother Randy because I was still learning about this situation and how to deal with it. And, and, uh, these demons, I'm like wearing myself out. You come out in the name of Jesus. 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 And they're just like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, yeah, you're coming out. I'm not quitting. You're coming out. And uh, all of a sudden, my phone rang, and I knew it was Brother Randy because I was waiting on his phone call. And all of a sudden, I mean, talk about the unction of the Holy Spirit. What was he doing? He was bringing me help in the Spirit. And I, and I looked at that demon, and I thought, this is the stupidest thing to say, but I knew it by my spirit. I said, you foul spirit, you hear that phone ringing? And it said, yes. And I said, do you know who's on the other end of that line? And it said, no. Listen, demons don't know everything. That demon said, no. I said, let me tell you who's on the other end of that phone. I said, that is the Reverend Randall Greer. You know him in the spirit. Now, you, I said, he's calling to help me get you to come out. Now, you come out in Jesus' name. And immediately, those demons rent that man and left. Listen, God will make your name famous in the spirit, and you will be able to walk in the authority of Christ without interference. Did you hear me? Not only does not only is my name famous in the spirit, but those of you that have helped us in those situations, your name is becoming known in the spirit. The name of disciples house is known in the spirit. God doesn't hesitate to draw those demon controlled people into this house. And I'm like, Jesus. All right, here we go. Let's handle them. Come on. He said about the goodness of God. 
He's gonna, if, if God's going to make Abram a great nation, he'll make you a great nation. If he's going to make thy name great, he'll make your name great. He said, and I will bless him that blesses thee. Listen, people will be blessed for just being around you. That's how good God is. You know, we pray, God, make me a blessing to be a blessing. That's a promise. That's based on the promise of God. And, a, and curse him that curses thee. Listen, if you'll walk in the goodness of God, you won't have to worry about your enemies. God will handle them. He said, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. You have the same promise. You have the same promise. Look at chapter 13, verse 2. Two or three witnesses, let it be established. Abram was very rich in what? In He was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. That's part of the promises of God. If God made Abram rich in cattle, which was his businesses, and in silver and gold, you can stand on the same promise. Why? Because the commandments of Jesus fulfill the commandments of the Old Testament. The words of the prophets. This is a word of the Old Testament. It's part of the goodness of God. It's part of the goodness of God. And we could go on and on and on, but we're way out of time. But the goodness of God. Listen, it'd do you good to study out the goodness of God. It'd do you good. Well, Pastor, I'm not really sure I'm not going to study here. Listen, I don't advocate looking up. I, I don't advocate using Google over the Bible. But if you'll just do a simple search on um, scriptures on the goodness of God, which is not what I did. I, I, I listened to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit brought me these scriptures. But if you don't know them, you can just Google Bible scriptures on the goodness of God, and it will come up with scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. I mean, there was, you know, 35 scriptures, 65 scriptures, 100 scriptures, 135 scriptures. There was one that said 165 scriptures on the goodness of God. I mean, just I, I was just curious what it would throw up, but I didn't actually look at any of them. I was just curious what it would throw up. But, I mean, and then, then you can just take those scriptures and begin to go study it out. Get out your study Bible. Use the connecting scriptures. Listen, the goodness of God will put you over. How do you walk in his goodness? Oh, I forgot to tell you that part. We're going to end right here. Go back to James 17. James 1, verse 17. I forgot to tell you this part. Let's go back because I didn't finish that part. It's real simple. James chapter 1, verse 17. Let's look at the scripture one more time. Every good gift... And every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us. Of his own will he begat us. He created us. He formed us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, Listen, just like God is good, we're to be good. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to what? To hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Get your tongue under control. 
For the wrath of a man worketh not the righteousness of God. Another sermon for another day. Don't set yourself up to be full of wrath. Don't set yourself up to be angry. Just, just, just walk with God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity. That means an abundance or, a, or an overflowing abundance of naughtiness. He said, get away from it. And receive with meekness the engrafted word. Receive the word into your spirit. Listen, you may say, but my brain doesn't get it. It's all right. Your spirit does. Just say, Father, I receive it. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Here's the key. Be not, be, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own self. The reason that Abram became Abraham, the reason that he had the fullness and the goodness of God is because he obeyed. When you obey the word of God, you are in faith. When you obey the word of God, you are in faith. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We'll do our tithes and offerings. Mr. Derek, if you'll come this morning. Thank you so much for your service. We love and appreciate your willingness to serve. Thank you, Father. We glorify you. We magnify you. Father, we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Father, we glorify you and we praise you. And, Father, we thank you for freedom being set in this house this morning. Father, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. And, Father, as we sow seed this morning, Father, we rebuke Satan off of our seed. We rebuke Satan off of our lives. We command him to release and let go every provision and every increase. We command him to release and let go and stop blockading the perfect and good gifts of God. And, Father, we command the angels to go out and to bring in our supply according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And, Father, we thank you that your word is true and that your word is working. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Derek, you can serve the people as he serves the people. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, don't forget, we have prayer at 5 tonight. If you can make it, come. If you can't, that's all right. Uh, but then we have healing school at 6, um, and uh, we're going to work in our way through the Old Testament. And then um, if you would like to stay, uh, 